Boston Children's Hospital is back at it again, this time taking aim at transing your infants. A male student takes part in Alabama sorority rush. A teacher unsurprisingly wants to indoctrinate your children for her own selfish validation. A trans-affirming doctor says it's okay to chop off the breasts of your adolescent daughter. And Smith & Wesson takes an unusually strong stance against anti-gun politicians. We have all that and more today on The Conservatory. Alrighty, guys, before we get too far into the episode today... I'd like to say thank you for listening to the show and remind you to go check out our Twitter. Uh, that's at Conservatory Pod, Conservatory P-O-D on Twitter, where we post show updates, uh, new releases, clips, and documents that we talk about here on the show. So make sure you go check that out, and uh, you can DM me if you want to have a one-on-one conversation. That's the advantage of having a, a smaller podcast, so go check that out. And without further ado, let's get into today's show. Okay, guys, so the first thing I want to talk about today is a continuation of the previous episode. If you'll remember, uh, on Friday of last week, we talked about how Boston Children's Hospital wanted to, in Mayan ritual fashion, uh, mutilate your children. And rather than kind of back off of that or change their stance, they've essentially doubled down. So we'll listen in on this clip and uh, we'll just let it speak for itself. Let's play that. Child will often know that they are transgender from the moment that they have any ability to express themselves, and parents will often tell us this. We have parents who tell us that their kids, they knew from the minute they were born practically, and actions like refusing to get a haircut or standing to urinate, trying to stand to urinate, refusing to stand to urinate, trying on siblings' clothing, uh, playing with the quote opposite gender toys, things like that. There is more and more a group of adolescents that we are seeing that really are coming to the realization that they might be trans or gender diverse a little bit later on in their life. So what we're seeing from them is that they always sort of knew something was maybe off and didn't have the understanding to know that they might be trans or have a different gender identity than the one they had been assigned. So that is a, a growing population that they are that we are seeing and that's being recognized as being trans and able to be treated. So you heard the woman in the video say that she's met with many parents of, quote, LGBT children who claim to know that their kid was a member of the LGBT community from the time that they were born all the way up, you know, until they they leave the house. And that, of course, is insane on its face. Young children, infants have no way of distinguishing themselves from their mother. After all, they they don't have sentient thought at, at, at those ages. And yet the left would like you to believe that children at these ages can be transgender and can tell you that they're transgender. And the way that they claim to know this is because kids will often, toddlers will often play with misgendered toys, dress up in their siblings' outfits, uh, and things of that nature. And by that definition, pretty much every single toddler is is transgender, according to the left and according to Boston Children's Hospital. Just about every kid will do something like this. Kids think that they're animals. They think that they're dinosaurs, dragons. Kids think that they're princesses, knights. Are we supposed to affirm them in these beliefs? Uh, Certainly not, and we certainly should not be affirming them in the belief that they're of the opposite gender. We don't let kids determine what they eat for dinner uh, because they would simply choose cookies or ice cream or or cake. And yet, we're supposed to believe that children have their best interests in mind when talking about gender. And in fact, we believe this so much that we often 
interpret their childlike behavior as indications of something that children have no grasp on. Of course, that being transgenderism. I remember when I was a kid uh, in preschool, you know, four or five years old, I had two friends, uh, a guy and a girl, and oftentimes we would dress up just in whatever way we were, you know, if we were acting out a scene or a scenario, we would dress up in the appropriate attire for, for that scene or scenario. That had no bearing on what we perceived ourselves as. It had no indication that we wanted to be a member of the opposite sex, and rightfully our parents and the teachers had no second thoughts about it. And as I know, the other two uh, certainly are not transgender, and I certainly am not either. And we would be woefully depressed, and uh, it would have been very wrong for our parents or the teachers to try to get us to transition. Uh, at the time, luckily, I was a child, you know, back in 2004, 2005, when the majority of people still had half a brain. So the question becomes, why does it seem like these days more people are transgender? And unfortunately, that is the case. If you remember, back in February, there was a Gallup poll wherein, quote, the percentage of U.S. adults who self-identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or something other than heterosexual has increased to a new high of 7.1%, which is double the percentage from 2012 when Gallup first measured it, end quote. So if you look at the graph here, which I've linked the article, the poll results into in our Twitter. So go to our Twitter and click on the hashtag the conservatory episode 10 and you'll be able to, to click on this link and see uh, the graph that I'm looking at. So back in 2012, you can see American self-identification as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, or something other than heterosexual was 3.5%. Uh, it remained steady, uh, mostly constant for the next three years, uh, reaching only 3.9%. And then from 2015 to 2021, we jumped from 39 to 7.1%. Of course, from 2012, that's more than doubled an increase. Now, a lot of people on the left will claim that this is because as a, as a society, we've become more and more tolerant of different lifestyles. Uh, the problem with this is if you look at the demographic range, excuse me, the age range uh, based on generation of self-identification as LGBT, what you'll see is the traditionalist baby boomers, Generation X, and millennials stayed relatively constant uh, for the duration of, of the polling. Whereas Generation Z in 2021, 20.8% of Gen Z people polled claim to be of LGBT orientation. That is a frightening statistic, one in five. And one that is, is very telling. So obviously, if it were the case that, that society as a whole has become more tolerant of these types of, of lifestyles, you would see more people of older generations identifying as LGBT. Quote, since Gallup began measuring the LGBT identification in 2012, the percentage of traditionalist baby boomers and Generation X adults who identify as LGBT has held relatively steady. At the same time, there's been a modest uptick among millennials, from 5.8% in 2012, when some members of the generation had not yet turned 18, to 7.8% in 2017, and 10.5% currently. Now, the reason for this is obviously because in society or in the modern culture, people believe that being part of LGBT or being LGBT is virtuous. They think that because they're part of a marginalized group, that there's an inherent virtue in that. And... Along with that comes the ability to 
rise up and, and try to overcome something or overcome the societal pressure. And that's obviously not the case. Virtue isn't virtuous or something isn't virtuous because you're marginalized and you overcome something. Something is virtuous because it contains virtue. That being said, there is certainly virtue in overcoming struggles, but not struggles that you manufacture yourself. So sticking with the LGBT theme of the show, here we have an Alabama student trying to rush for a sorority. Now, I know what you're thinking. What does that have to do with LGBT issues? Well, let me play the clip for you and see if you can pick it out. Hey, y'all. It's Grant. Today is day five of Alabama Rush, and it is the first day of Sisterhood Around. I'm so excited. I cannot wait. Um, so I'm going to give you guys an OOTD. And yeah, so my shirt is, my dress is from Hello Molly. Thank you so much, Hello Molly. Love you. My, like, this thing is from Shin. My shoes are from Shin. And my ring is from graduation. Oh, not again. That is so funny. And uh, yep, that's it. So wish me luck today. And thank you so much. And my makeup is done by me again. Yep, so if you were wondering, that is a, a male student wearing makeup in a skirt trying to rush for a sorority. Now, if you're like me and you took Latin or know a little bit of Latin, you know that the root word for sorority comes from soror, meaning sister. And historically, sisters have been females, which is why we have sororities and fraternities. Fraternity coming from the Latin word frater, meaning brother. So... If you're like me, you probably think it's a little odd that this guy, A, would want to be in a sorority, and B, that the university would allow him to, to rush for a sorority. But can we really be all that surprised when, for years now, society has turned its back on its women and children, and in this case, the women, must be subjected to a male trying to, to rush their sorority. Now, let's think back, I don't know, 40, 50 years, and try to consider the problems with letting a male into a sorority house. Ted Bundy. And beyond that, how about it's just disgusting that a cross-dressing man would be allowed and treated like a, a girl and allowed to sleep in the same places as girls. At the university that I go to, which I will not disclose, the sorority village, as it's called, is offset from campus. It's not actually on the main part of campus. You have to cross a highway, and it's protected by a large gate on all sides, and you have a gate code that you have to get into. But at Alabama, apparently, you can just... If a guy wants to rush a sorority, all he's got to do is put in the paperwork, put some makeup on, throw on a dress, and just like that, he's in. Now, I don't think that I have to point out the obvious problem with if he does get a bid and gets in, what would stop an actual predator, though this guy doesn't seem like an actual predator. He seems, unfortunately, he seems very genuine in his in his attempt, for better or worse in this case. But uh, let's think if an actual predator wanted to get in, and all he has to do is enroll in classes and put on a dress and claim to to want to be in a sorority and just forbid by virtue of uh, trying to get a bid for Rush, he's allowed access into the sorority houses with a bunch of women. How are there not red flags going off for people there? How does that not raise any alarm bells? This obviously for two reasons makes me sad for, for future generations. One, because obviously our men are under attack and are being emasculated day by day and it's a problem. Uh, and then two, it worries me for the protection of our, our children, our young girls, who should not have to feel uncomfortable in the place that they live because a creep 
an address, a male creep in a dress, wants to be in a sorority instead of joining a fraternity, where obviously he would be denied because fraternities generally don't play nice with these kinds of people. Now, again, I'm not, I'm certainly not a fan of treating, you know, other people poorly, regardless of orientation or religion or political ideology, but there, that does not mean I'm, you have to cave to what they want, uh, especially when it comes to your daughters and, and your, your children. So next up, we have another teacher, yet another teacher, which unfortunately is becoming a recurring theme, trying to trans your young children or trying to convince them that being transgender or LGBT is good. So let's play that clip. In my last video, I told you how adults are my problem, and I have to get them to take me seriously, which means I have to consistently remind people to take me seriously. I have to set up boundaries. If people do not use the correct pronouns, the correct language, the correct title, the correct name, then sometimes I am forced to remind them to. And if they continue to refuse, and I don't mean by accident, I mean to actively refuse, then I get to a point where I maybe have to cut them out of my life. Kids, their brains are more elastic than that. They get it, they don't care. They're just here for a good time. And the queer ones, they see me. And they saw me before I was ready to be seen. So I do them a service now, and they call me Mix. So notice how selfish and sad this person is. She claims that she has to get people, adults, to take her seriously. And let me just say, if you have to constantly remind people to take you seriously, then you're not a serious person. If I walk around in a Big Bird costume, and people treat me like I am a toddler or like I have a mental disorder, and I complain that people aren't taking me seriously because I have a Big Bird costume on, maybe it's not the people who need to change. Maybe I need to not have a Big Bird costume. As we've come to know is is a tenant of the left, this woman pretty clearly has no self-respect and probably, as much as I hate to say, she probably hates herself. And the kids don't know any better. So when she tells them that she is non-binary and they can be non-binary, they go along with it because they don't know any better. They affirm her, her delusions, something that adults won't do because adults know better. And this is kind of the heart of the issue here with, with teachers and kids and transgenderism. The teachers very often are LGBT members. And because adults will not affirm them in their delusions, will not give in to their delusions, they turn to the children because the children don't know any better. They don't know that this is wrong. They don't know that it will lead to psychological problems. And uh, so they affirm the teacher. They do what the teacher says. She's an authority figure and kids respond to authority. As we've talked about before, kids need guidance and whether or not the guidance is good, they respond to it. Also here, she mentions, quote, queer kids. And that's a contradiction in term. Queer kids don't exist. Kids cannot be queer because they don't know what being queer is. Just as children cannot consent to sex, nor can they process what it means to be queer. Again, we have to protect our children at all costs because they're the most innocent among us. And when we let people like this into our school system, close to our kids, we're doing the opposite of protecting them. We're throwing them to the wolves. They have no chance. So we must protect them at all costs and take them away from people like this. All right, so continuing down the 
craziness that is the American left. We have another doctor, unfortunately, talking about mutilating children a la Mayan religious ritual, uh, like we talked about last Friday. But by the way, if you haven't listened to that episode, go give it a listen. It's a good one. It's probably one one of the best ones that I've done so far. And so what we have is a doctor claiming that children chopping off their breasts is no different than online viral trends. So let's listen in there. Actually, people make life-altering decisions in adolescence all the time, all the time. And honestly, most of them are good. It's just the bad ones that we talk about. Oh my God, the cinnamon challenge, right? I mean, why do we know about it? Because it's, it's a thing and it's, it's, not, it's not common. Like most teenagers aren't eating cinnamon, right? But some are and they're on YouTube and that's stupid. But we don't put on YouTube the things that are really good decisions, right? Oh my gosh, my kid took the SATs. Not a very exciting after school special, right? But so what we do know is that adolescents actually have the capacity to make a reasoned, logical decision. And here's the other thing about chest surgery. If you want breasts at a later point in your life, you can go and get them. So this woman claims that children can cut their breasts off, young girls, your daughters, can cut their breasts off because, well, when they're older, if they change their mind, they can just throw some back on, you know, just like a bumper on a car, and everything will be okay. Well, that's obviously not the case. Silicone is not human tissue. You can't feed a child with silicone breasts. And not to mention the same person who claims that children can make the decision to mutilate their own bodies would be the same woman who claims that 18-year-olds should not have AR-15s because their brains aren't fully developed. Again, kids can't consent to sex, but can consent to gender-affirming care like having a hysterectomy or chopping off their breasts. I mean, it's just incredibly sad to think that there are adults who would actually support children mutilating their bodies like this. Could you imagine a a fully grown adult and their daughter who is eight years old, nine years old says, mommy, I'm a boy today. I'm a knight. And the mom makes an appointment and says, okay, honey, let's go. We're, we have a doctor's appointment. Let's go talk to the doctor. And the doctor turns around and tells this eight or nine year old and says that she can have a hysterectomy to remove her uterus, have her ovaries removed and have her breasts removed because she feels like a boy this one particular day, this child, that these adults would ruin this child's life, the rest of her life. Because when she was eight years old, she casually mentioned that she wanted to dress up like a boy one day after watching Enchanted or a Disney movie with a prince. It's sickening. Like like we talked about on Friday, these people are nothing short of, of Mayan ritual leaders. They seek to mutilate children. They encourage the children to mutilate themselves, and they will take your children from you if you do not go along with it. So moving away from LGBT issues and into some gun policy, Smith & Wesson today released an unusually strong statement regarding anti-gun politicians and the effect their policies have on crime. I'll read you part of it. I don't want to read the whole thing because that would get kind of boring. But again, if you want to check it out, go to our Twitter and click on the hashtag and it's posted there. Quote, a number of politicians and their lobbying partners in the media have recently sought to disparage Smith & Wesson 
Some have had the audacity to suggest that after they have vilified, undermined, and defunded law enforcement for years, supported prosecutors who refuse to hold criminals accountable for their actions, overseen the decay of our country's mental health infrastructure, and generally promoted a culture of lawlessness, Smith & Wesson and other firearm manufacturers are somehow responsible for the crime wave that has predictably resulted from these destructive policies. He continues, To be clear, Smith & Wesson firearm has never broken into a home. A Smith & Wesson firearm has never assaulted a woman out for a late night run in the city. A Smith & Wesson firearm has never carjacked an unsuspecting driver stopped at a traffic light. Instead, Smith & Wesson provides these citizens with the means to protect themselves and their families. And this is absolutely correct. I cannot stand when politicians have the gall to promote policies that undermine the rule of law in their cities and then turn around and blame gun, gun crime when criminals do criminal acts, commit criminal acts. It's insane. I cannot applaud Smith & Wesson enough on this issue, especially after Daniel Defense came out along with Ruger during the H.R. 1808 hearings and claim that they do not want to see the ATF abolished. I understand that both of these companies have had, certainly Daniel Defense, I don't know about Ruger, have had government contracts in the past and government bureaus use their rifles, but it's a pretty strong and common sentiment on in the gun community that the ATF has to go. So again, I applaud Smith & Wesson for this. So again, that wasn't a long segment, but I, I definitely wanted to mention it as I really appreciate what Smith & Wesson said in the statement. Again, I cannot urge you enough to go read it on our Twitter. Alrighty, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. If you liked it, remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If you want to support us here at the Conservatory, shoot me an email at the.conservatory.podcast at protonmail.com. Don't forget to check out our Twitter where we, where we post show updates, news, and clips and documents from the show, including the ones today. Remember, we post every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, so don't forget to check back in here on Wednesday in the Conservatory. Thanks, guys.